Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Lazar Wellbeing Show. And today I am going to be talking to Emma Bezik, a nutritional therapist and the CEO of the genetic testing company LifeCode GX. Now, I first came across Emma's work when my eldest daughter, Lily, was advised by her doctor to do a test for genetic histamine intolerance to help diagnose her mast cell activation syndrome. And I found it oh so fascinating. And Lily, well, she found it absolutely life-changing. So this led me to do my own tests and I discovered all kinds of vitally helpful secrets of my own genetic nutritional needs. I then went on to discuss this on my Instagram and Facebook lives where Emma kindly gave us all a 15% Liz Loves discount, which still applies by the way. I'll give the details again of that at the end of the show. So I'm really thrilled that Emma joins us here to talk more about the fascinating new world of nutrigenomics and what we can learn from testing our genes simply, safely and quickly. And also where this exciting new science may well take us in the future. So I hope you are sitting comfortably. Let us begin with today's show. So Emma, really warm welcome. I have been so looking forward to this podcast because it's going to open up a whole new area of chat about nutrition and epigenetics and personalized supplementation and all of that. So I'm extremely excited. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited as well. Yeah, so let's start with a little bit of background, shall we? Do you want to explain how you came to be doing what you're doing? I always think that's so fascinating for entrepreneurs, which is what you are in this field. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, It's a bit of a roundabout journey. And what I found in my field is that that is not uncommon. So a lot of people now have second, third careers and then they maybe settle for a while, but who knows how long that's going to be for. So my my training originally was in music. So that was my university course. Um, but I always had a bit of a push and pull between science and arts and I could never really decide where I wanted to go. So I trained in music, but I'd already kind of decided that wasn't really where I would end up even before I finished. And I ended up actually working in technology for many years, um, which was good for a long time and really rewarding but then it just became very samey quite unfulfilling you get to a certain age and things happen in your life that make you just really reconsider I think is this what my life is about Mm -hmm. um and so I decided it really wasn't it wasn't exciting 
um, it wasn't fulfilling. And so I decided to train in nutrition. Right. So I, I think of that as my third kind of passion, really. And I trained in nutrition. I was able to do it part time, which was fabulous because it meant that I didn't have to put all my eggs in one basket. Mm. And so I did my nutritional therapy course. And it was when I was doing that course that I became aware of a science called nutrigenomics, which is about how your genes interact with your nutrient needs and the things that you put in your body, on your body, the environment basically that you live in. And that one environment that is good for one person isn't necessarily good for another. So let's talk about nutrigenomics. This is something that you've sort of really, you know, made your own and people are just beginning to explore it. How does it work? Okay, so we all have billions of letters of genetic code, but we all have slightly different combinations of those letters. So there are some small alterations in our code that are referred to as SNPs, which the long word for that is single nucleotide polymorphisms. That's as technical as I'm going to (laughs) get. Huge sigh of relief there. Um, So we all have these SNPs, and these are the things that make a difference in terms of how our body and our mind respond to our environment. So they are like the written code, the instruction for our body Mm -hmm. in a similar way to music so if you think of the music script that is the instruction to the musician as to how to play the instrument and actually make the music happen Um, and it's the same with the code so the code is the instruction it tells the body how to function how to behave but it needs certain um, nutrients and certain substances to work with. This is really interesting. So, so we have our, our basic genetic code, and then we have these little SNPs that control our genes. Is that what we're saying? So, yeah, it's not only our genes exactly. that are important; it's what SNPs we've got going on that make yeah. those genes like switch off and on or, or work in certain way. So we're talking really epigenetics, aren't we? This this area yeah. of genetics being that's the hand of cards that you're dealt with and epigenetics being, well, that's the way you play those cards, if you like. Exactly, exactly. That's a great analogy. And I think the, the thing that is different about nutrigenomics as opposed to genomics more broadly is that everything that we look at has a fix really so we're Mm -hmm. examining the code we're looking at these changes for each person and understanding how that can impact their biology right we always have a solution and for me yeah (laughs) because i kind of think well if you know something what's the point in knowing something that you can't do anything about that's right and I think a lot of people are wary of genetic testing per se because they think well if it's going to tell me that I'm predisposed to Alzheimer's or Parkinson's do I actually want to know that and that's a personal choice personally I would want to know it but I know a lot of people who wouldn't so I think what's really exciting about this is that you're giving people the language of what's going on inside the body and then you're also saying and we can show you how to make it better. We can change it. You don't have to just live with this. And I know we'll come on to talk about some very specific examples of that that, yeah. that my family and I have found totally revelatory. So let's just talk about how it works practically. So you, you set up your company, Life Code GX. What does the GX yeah. stand for? It's kind of a short code for genetics, I guess. Got it. Um, Got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so life code GX. So when, when somebody gets one of your tests, they, they get a little, it's like a kind of mascara brush, which you scrub on the inside of your cheek. Presumably that's sort of picking up cells, is it? And then we'd send that exactly. off in a little tube back to you. And then what happens? So we take it's the swab and the DNA is extracted. 
And then the DNA is genotyped. And that means the reading of the code. And that results in all these letters. And we compare the individual person's letters with a kind of reference Mm -hmm. to see what the differences are and therefore what those differences might mean. And we translate that into a report that explains it and presents it. Uh, alongside suggested solutions. Um, Some things are very straightforward and other things are more complex. And while you can look at some things one snippet at a time, and it Mm -hmm. can be very, very useful to know that, Mm. I think the real power comes when you look at things together. Um, And that can be genes trained together or genes that relate to each other. And we've got an example that we can talk about that as well. Yes, Um, definitely, because I I had this done. Now, I I got to hear about you actually through Dr. Tina Pears. And this came about, and my regular listeners will know this, through Lily's uh, chronic, awful autoimmune condition that she's still battling with. And that suggested that she was histamine intolerant and that there was a connection with her mast cells, part of her immune system. And so to really help diagnose that, um, Dr. Pierce suggested that she had this test with you because one of the specific screens that you do is for histamine, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And is, is, is that because it's, it's, it's a common issue? I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I've written about well-being for over 30 years and histamine has not really come onto my radar until now, until having somebody obviously very close in the family so badly affected by it. And that's the same with me until I started to investigate histamine as part of our company research. I didn't, you know, I'd heard of it. It's the thing that makes your legs swell up when you get bitten by an insect. Yeah, it makes you sneeze. Things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I didn't know anything really about it. And I think it's one of the most least understood least Mm. kind of accepted things um that is so common that people have this underlying yeah yeah, histamine histaminergic response that can be triggered by so many different things and this is why it's so often undiagnosed or unrecognized Mm. is because it's so difficult to pinpoint yeah yeah. what it is it can be yeah. different things at different times to the same person that actually cause the overall histamine load to overspill and this is controlled by these snips in our dna is that right so, so once you know that then you can take steps to you know how to manage it or what you need to do presumably yeah so there are some specific snips involved in histamine degradation so this is the ability to break down the histamine in an efficient way, which means people's tolerance for histamine is is good if they've got the good version of the gene that does that very well. And if they have the version of the gene or the SNP, the difference, that means that that gene is just not as efficient, it's just not as good at doing that job, then there is much more potential for that person's histamine load to get bigger and bigger and bigger until it creates symptoms um and so there are genes with lily so there is a specific gene called the diamine oxidase gene or dao and that is a very powerful when we see people with those snips it's very likely that at some point in their lifetime they will have histamine overflow kind of symptoms or and what sort of symptoms would they be what what could they expect to see so it could be digestive dysfunction it could be digestive issues like bloating pain um gastric acid so reflux things like that Mm -hmm. um so very gut orientated to start with could be nausea so when they're eating they're just kind of the histamine is is causing inflammation in the gut damage to the gut lining and then they're in this horrible vicious cycle where the gut is not able to digest Mm -hmm. certain foods very easily you can develop holes in your gut lining which means certain foods get through it 
into your bloodstream and then that can create an immune reaction and often that can be a trigger for an autoimmune response as well like like migraine Um, and and chronic pain fibromyalgia all those things which you know i think that's that's certainly been lily's uh one one of lily's issues and it's interesting i think if you can if you have any of those vague symptoms knowing what your histamine response is genetically is fascinating isn't it because you know if we'd known that for her when she was a little girl or younger i wouldn't have fed her all that guacamole and you know avocado on toast thinking it was so healthy when avocados are so incredibly high in histamine i was giving her completely the wrong thing and this is the thing that so many histamine raising foods are incredibly healthy yeah. things like kiwi fruit as you say avocados tomatoes mm-hmm. a lot of fruit and vegetables which all the time we're encouraged to have oh. um for some people it can have a very detrimental yeah. effect but it's not all fruit and vegetables so it becomes an education process to really learn what the triggers are for that individual and what the histaminergic veg and fruit are compared to the one so it really is i mean i think nutritionists and, and academics are talking more and more about personalized nutrition and that there is no such thing as the perfect diet and you can't say oh you've got to be keto you've got to be plant-based you've got to be you know paleo whatever it is it is so prescriptive, isn't it? And, you know, one example of that, which I'll share from, from my journey when you did my screening, is I would make a hopeless vegan. And, you know, one of the reasons for that is that I don't have the gene that converts beta carotene, the vegetable form of vitamin A, into retinol. So the only way I'm going to get my retinol is through eating animal products. You know, I have to have my meat, my dairy, my eggs, all of that, which, you know, fortunately I do anyway. I mean, maybe my body is naturally telling me that's what I need. That's would be an interesting um, area to, to, to think about. But, you know, if, if I didn't know that and was purely plant-based, just relying on my beta carotene, thinking, oh, well, that's fine because I'm going to convert, everyone converts beta carotene into retinol. And retinol is fundamental for you know, brain health and eyesight and, and having healthy babies and, and all of this. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. fascinating? How, how common is that, that conversion block? It's quite common. Really? Um, yeah, it is quite common. I mean, it does make you question, I think, when you look at genetics, that how many people can be healthy vegans without support. So I completely agree and understand that some people wish to be vegan for Mm. ethical reasons. Mm. And I think you could do a genetic test, a nutrigenomics test, and you could still get great value from understanding that these are my weak points that if I choose to be vegan, then actually I'm going to have to support these pathways some other way perhaps with supplements and so there is a way around absolutely well knowledge is power isn't it always and I think you know one of the things that came up with Lily's screening when when she was assessed is that she doesn't process vitamin b12 very well so again that you know that's very hard for for purely plant-based or veggie eaters to get hold of Um, but even though she's not she still needs extra supplementation of b12 you know to bring her levels up yeah. This, this might be an interesting moment actually to talk about kind of the, the family genetics and to share an example because so Lily started off this journey and I was so fascinated by her results and, and so intrigued by the fact that it could be incredibly helpful for her that I wanted to talk more. I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to, to, to feature you in the magazine. And to do that, I said, well, why don't I have a test and then we can talk through it. I can understand it better. And I was absolutely not expecting to find the things that you found. And we then went on and tested Lily's sister um, to see you know, what could be helpful for her. And what's interesting, I think about my two girls is they have different fathers. So obviously half their genes come from me um, and half come from two different guys. So have you got those that you can share as a screen for those who yeah. are watching via YouTube? You will be able to see this. For those of you who are listening on your podcast app, we will do our best to talk through it. Um, or you might okay. want to pop onto YouTube later and just have a little look at it. 
Okay. So, can you see my screen? Yes, I can see your screen. That is very interesting. So, this was for vitamin D, which we're obviously hearing a lot about in the news at the moment, really important for our immune system. It's something that even the government says that we need to take um, supplements for to bring up our levels, especially during the winter months. So these are the results for me at the top and then for my two girls, for Lily and Brella. Now, what do these colours mean? That's the first thing that I can see. So generally, green means that this is the default, the kind of most common reference genotype, the same as the reference one. And usually that means that from a health perspective, it's the beneficial version of the genes right yeah okay so, so green, green is good and there's quite a bit of yes. green certainly for me yeah. up there it says yeah good transporter normal circulation of vitamin d throughout the body so that's kind of a yeah. tip <laughs> yeah and there are two different genes here that are involved in vitamin d kind of behavior so that first one where you've got the green mm -hmm. is all about how uh, you hold, store, transport vitamin D. And this means, in effect, how easy or hard is it for you to achieve a healthy, good vitamin D status? Right. Um, so you've got the look of the draw for mm -hmm. this card in terms of this particular gene. And it means if you have good exposure to sunlight which is the best way to mm -hmm. achieve a good vitamin d level yeah. if you've got some intake of food then you should be able to achieve a good vitamin d status right. um if you have a snip on this so there we could have a little look at lilies so lilies lilies actually got an amber color so it's a bit like a traffic light on the screen here you've got green you've got amber and then you've got red so lily yeah. when it comes to be the transporter of vitamin D, she's coming up as amber and it says poor transporter. Yeah, so this is a bit like, this gene is the taxi that carries the vitamin D through the body. Mm -hmm. um, and some people's taxi is really, really efficient at doing that and other people's taxi stops off at a few places and people get out <laughs> and some of the vitamin D kind of falls along she's, the side. She's got the slow bus, has she? And I've got the kind of exception. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So for Lily, it would be if you had exactly the same exposure to environmental sources of vitamin D as each other, then it is likely that your vitamin D status would be better than Lily's. Right. So yeah. she has to put in more effort and be more proactive about yeah. her vitamin D intake in order to achieve that healthy vitamin D level. So that would mean um, me topping her up with more vitamin D supplements, especially. Yes. When, and she's very pale. She, she has, you know, very, very fair skin and she burns very easily. So she doesn't go out in the sun. So she's got a double whammy there. She's very yeah. pale, but she doesn't go in the sun and she's a poor, poor transporter of vitamin D. So she is an absolute yeah. prime candidate, isn't she, for relatively high levels of vitamin D supplementation. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so you see, that's a perfect example straight away of, actually, we have a solution for this. Yeah. It's amber, yeah. but it's nothing to be really worried about because in this world, the modern world has a solution that is fairly yeah. easy to apply. Um, but you know what, if you weren't aware of it, then... Yeah, yeah. And, and we know how important it is. And then when you look at Brella, for example... It says, again, she's green, so she's got the good yeah. genes from me. It says, good transporter, you know, no yeah. problem with your taxi service, getting the vitamin yeah. D around the body. Now, moving back up the chart to the other bits of vitamin D, because it's not just about getting it moved around the body, is it? There's actually other bits here that you're looking into, and this is where it starts to get a little bit complicated, because we've got some amber, certainly for me, and some red Fabrella. Yeah. So yeah. talk me through here. So I'm already feeling quite smug that I'm a good transporter of vitamin D. But then you come down here and it says I've got reduced vitamin D receptor activity and response, yeah. which could cause insufficiency. So it, it, does this mean that I'm not using my vitamin D properly? Yeah, this is about how your 
body responds to that vitamin D. So vitamin D is actually a hormone, which is a messenger. And so vitamin D is the messenger um, to these receptors. So it kind of plugs in to the, to the receptor and it's that plugging in, that connection with the receptor that then tells the body, you know, modulate, regulate my immune system, make sure my bone health is good, help me to make the happy neurotransmitter serotonin, all those yeah. things. So that, that plugging in, this is almost about how, how well fitting is that plug? Is it a bit wobbly, um, mm. you know, or is it nice and snug? So if it's if it's a little bit looser, then the effects of that vitamin D will not be so great. And so it's more important that you make sure that you have a very very consistent supply of vitamin D, yeah. and you don't allow it to dip. Right. it's certainly something you know during this whole lockdown and beyond it, i'm much more aware of vitamin d as i am with so many other nutrients that i now talk about um and you know i i do supplement and i, and I do take more supplements than than i've ever done before and what's interesting here looking at, at me for those who can see it on the screen and lily is that we are the opposite so i've yeah. got green when it comes to transport you know I, i've got my my vitamin d is whizzing around my body in a limo and it's all really happy and getting around but once it gets there it's having a struggle to actually do its job, which is why, according to this, it says here higher levels of vitamin D may be needed, you know, to achieve the same benefit. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, when we're all told that these are the levels we should aim for, then actually this is another aspect of life where that should actually be personalised because yeah. the level that, Lily perhaps needs to aim for in terms of if you were to do a vitamin D test is is not as high as as yours um so oh interesting so I if I had a vitamin D test it would show what was going around my body and so the doctor would go oh you're absolutely fine Liz you've got normal levels of vitamin C vitamin D circulating but actually I know from this genomics that yes, I may have good levels of vitamin D, but it's not actually being able to work properly. So therefore, exactly. so is the answer for me then to take higher levels so yeah. I've got more available to work? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the same for Lily, although when you look at her, she doesn't have a very good transportation system. She's on that slow little bus. But actually, when she does get it delivered to the sites that it's needed, it's working very efficiently. Yeah, so that's kind of a compensating factor for the, the poor transport in a way. It's kind of, she can make the most of what she does get, um, yeah. but she should still, she should, it would still be, take more work really in terms of the intake of vitamin D. So she again probably work. needs more. I mean, the government do say is it a thousand international units sort of on average roughly for an adult. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, is there any guidance here as to what sort of levels we should be increasing it to? There's a lot of different opinions anyway as right. to what is an adequate <laughs> amount. And it does depend on what other sources of vitamin D you're getting. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think for someone like Lily with that transporter snip, I would say 1,000 probably wouldn't really touch the sides. Um, right. It would be more like 4,000, I would recommend. And then I'd also always recommend testing actual vitamin D levels mm -hmm. because you can have too much of a good thing as well. Right. So although it's quite difficult um, to have too much vitamin D, it is quite unusual. Mm. It can be toxic. So any nutrient or vitamin that is fat soluble um, you can have too much of it because it's stored in fat it's more storable in the body so you can right. have too much of it um, so, so yeah I would say it's for her it would take more supplement to achieve that optimum level or even the optimum yeah. level for her um, mm -hmm. 
to, to than 1,000, I'd say probably four would be a starting point, a maintenance dose. Yeah. Even. Gosh, just for maintenance. And for me too, similarly, would you say? So for you, you might not need as quite as much to raise your levels, but because we want your levels to be higher, yeah. um, then probably a similar increased um, intake, mm-hmm. but for different reasons. Yeah, for different reasons. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, that brings us on to Brella. And for those of you who can see the chart, so Brella, as as we said, she's got a good transport system. Again, you know, she was born with the limo. She's got no problem in delivering it around the body. However, the two other areas of using the vitamin D are flagging red. They're bright red on your chart. So, you know, as a mother... I'm thinking, what is going on here? Why is her vitamin D being blocked? And what are the implications of this for her as as a young 19-year-old girl? Yeah, so this is similar to you in terms of the taxi is good, as you say, but the, 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 the snugness of the plug, the receptor, is, is less. So less of that vitamin D is hitting the spot. It's just kind of missing it. And then ultimately it will be lost um, from the body. So this is about the optimum level or range for her is even higher, you know. So so if if the kind of standard advice was um, to aim for a level of, I don't know, 70 units. There are lots of different units. There are double units. Let's not get yeah, too confused about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but the principle being that if Lily could do very well on 50 units because she's got the most sensitive version of the VDR gene, mm-hmm. you might need to be at a level of 70 and right. Bella might need to be at a level of 100 for that optimum level just to bring her up to normal levels so you know she is going to be taking what you know two or three times the dose 
And, and, and we're already on a high dose. I mean, Lily and I would have to be increasing our dose anyway. Yeah, this is where testing does come in in terms of the finding out how successful your supplementation is being in in raising your levels. But won't it just show it up in the blood though? So you know, supposing I give her, you know, three or four times the normal dose of vitamin D, or maybe ten times if we're talking about international units, then will that just come up in her blood test as well? You've got huge amounts of vitamin D because we can see that it's flowing around the body. But what we're not seeing in a normal blood test is how it's being used and the fact that, yes, she may have high levels, but very little of it's actually being used. Yeah, so there's there's a kind of assumption that um, that you need more. Um, we could... We could, we could give guidance as to what the optimum level is for each of these different genotypes on the VDR. So the more red it is, the higher that level should be in order to make sure enough of it is hitting the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to, to really look at things in, in a more holistic way, we would think about, so where is vitamin D actually used? And... What symptoms, if any, are there any indications of this vitamin D not doing its job or doing its job? Yeah. Um, so, for example, if someone was experiencing a lot of infection, um, so the you know the idea that their immune system was weak and not really responding in an optimum healthy way, then that could be an indication that actually, although their vitamin D level is okay as far as the standard advice goes, for them it's not okay. Um, they need it to be even higher. Um, yeah. and so, so be guided by, by symptoms. As well, yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah. you know, this, this is the skill of a, a way of uh, looking at health uh, from a whole person perspective and not just relying mm. completely on numbers and measures and test results. Are we um, talking about functional medicine then, this sort of new area of, of medicine? Yeah, therapies, exactly. Medicine. exactly. And, you know, for example, I know that vitamin D is very much involved in the production of serotonin, and we're looking at dopamine, so we're looking at potential heightened anxiety levels. Yeah. Of course, everybody has at the moment and has had, you know, for most of you know, the last year, uh, you know, how could they be eased? Perhaps not with, you know, anti-anxiety medication, but if this is something that is caused by low levels of vitamin D, simply yeah. by increasing your vitamin D supplements, you could then be topping up those little receptors yeah. and your vitamin D is then producing more serotonin, which is therefore making you feel less anxious. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And we would also look at the other nutrients involved in those systems as well that help the vitamin D and help that system in a more holistic way. I mean, this is only one, obviously, of of many, many nutrients. And I have to say, uh, you know, for anybody who is interested in doing this, it is the most fascinating nutritional report because you, you cover so much. One of the things that I'll gladly share here with with listeners and with viewers when you did my screening is it came up with bright red on me when it came to converting glutathione in the body and you know glutathione is the master antioxidant nutrient but it's something that to be really honest I've never really looked at and I've always considered myself quite healthy I eat really well I, I exercise take various supplements and things but seeing it in black and white, well, in fact, not black and white, seeing it in colour, <laughs> seeing it bright red. Right. I, I remember saying to you, what on earth is that? And you said, oh, you've got SNPs for, for glutathione. Your, you know, your body's not processing it. And I said, well, what does that mean? And you said, well, it's one of the master detoxification nutrients. Your body's not converting it. The only way that you're going to get it is to have a supplement. So I literally, I, I kind of grabbed my bag and ran after that consultation. <laughs> I went to find a really good chemist. It was a really good one in London that has a big array of these vitamins. And I've, I've now since found it online. Bought some glutathione, popped a capsule at the, at the end of the day. 
And I have to tell you, Emma, no word of a lie, I woke up the next morning feeling really bright. You know, I mean, I consider myself pretty healthy anyway, but I woke up feeling, oh, I quite like to spring out of bed now. Uh-huh. And, you know, and then talking to you afterwards, and it's something now that I take absolutely religiously, even you know, we, I've only been on this, I guess, the last three or four weeks. I absolutely, and if I, if I happen to miss it for any reason, I wake up feeling just that little bit, you know, kind of bleary, off edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I was talking to a nutritionist actually, who said, well, you know, when we were at, at med school, we all knew about this. And if we were going out on the razzle, we would probably fly on in a couple of B12s before we went out, <laughs> knowing that we'd wake up feeling bad. Now, that I'm not advocating that, okay? That is, that is not my dietary advice. But I thought, how fascinating. Yeah. And those are my genes, aren't they? But there's nothing I can do about that. My body simply does not process glutathione. End of story. It needs more. And I think um, that, again, it's, it's fantastic that you actually felt that difference consciously. But I'm not surprised by that either. Um, when I first started doing this, I used to use the word amazing a lot. And then I kind of find myself saying it and, and realising I was overusing it. Yeah. Um, and actually, I should have ceased to be amazed how often this did make sense. Um, but it does make sense. And there are so many people that we work with who, who say, this makes sense over and over and over again. And I didn't even people. come to you. I only came to you because we were researching it. I did not feel yeah. that. You know, I'm... I'm, I'm no. I'm a fit, healthy, you know, in my 50s, life is good. I don't consider myself to have any food intolerances. You know, I'm, none of that. I was not coming to you because I had any issues. It was, you know, I almost felt a bit of a fraud, if I'm really honest, you know, for wasting your time. And then when this came up, I, I was just blown away by it. And I think what is brilliant about that is that this is not, necessarily about people who who are ill doing a medical test in order to diagnose a problem it can be about almost giving your genes a super power super boost so optimization is just as valid as trying to fix what is an overt problem so I think, don't we all want to live our best life? Don't we all want to be totally switched on and... Yeah, I mean, estrogen and glutathione are like the two things now that I would save on a sinking ship, you know, that they are the things that I know my my body needs to run on. And I think, you know, before we end, and I know there's an awful lot to talk about and and for people to take on. So, you know, I think what I'd love to do is, is come back and revisit some of the other things we've talked about and let's let's kind of have a chance to process what what you're saying because it's so fascinating i know it's going to be one of those podcasts that i kind of have to re-listen to um but just a couple of other uh, interesting things here that came out of the screening that you you test for one was for caffeine so caffeine sensitivity and you gave me some good news and some bad news didn't you yeah I'm going to, yes, and and this is the thing as well, you know, as a nutritional therapist, which is my training, I I actually had a personal kind of revelation and a personal flip in my mindset in terms of how I think about nutrition now. And I really do think of it as being this nurture. That's what the word means. And that is what it should be. So, um, but I think there's so much conditioning that, and we talked about this, that as we were growing up, we were told that fat was bad, that, you know, oh, this no fats yogurt yeah. is much better for you than this full fat one and, and all of those things. And the more you know about your genes, then I think that helps that acknowledgement and that learning and that positivity around all these parts of our foods. So for example, just to, to bring that to life a bit with my, with my caffeine, again, the two sets of genes, if you like, there that were tested, uh, you said um, coffee, caffeine or coffee has a real impact on my system. You know, yeah. it was like, whoa, 
you know, I can't remember whether it was red, but it was like, you know, this is, you know, this is when you have that cup of coffee in the morning, it's really affecting you. And I go, yeah, I do. And I, that's why, that's why I love it. Uh, but the good news is that I, the rest of it was green and my body is totally able to process it. So yeah. although it does, yes, it does have a big impact. My body's still dealing with it, which I guess is a better way around for other people. It may be, it doesn't have that much of an impact, but whoa, actually you, you're not processing it really well. It's going to cause a real problem, yeah. which I guess explains yeah. why some people can have that, you know, midnight espresso and, and still go to sleep. I mean, I could never do that. Yeah. You know, my body no. has no. much of an impact. No, it's really interesting because there are uh, things that are more common in certain ethnicities as well. Mm. And the Italians um, have a very similar genotype, actually. Really? So I think that fits. It's an appreciation. It's an enjoyment of the caffeine. And, you know, what is wrong with getting a, a buzz, a little yeah. stimulation from that I love caffeine? that little in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I guess, I mean, maybe I've got some Italian, you know, genes or ancestry somewhere that, you know, was, has grown up on rocket fuel espressos and has yeah. learned that, <laughs> maybe. And yeah. the other thing I thought that was really interesting, just before we finish, is you know, on the, not on the nutritional side, but one of the things that you also can show is the circadian rhythms. And you said to me, looking at my report, you said, oh, you're a night owl, aren't you? I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy. I, I struggle in the morning, but I can work into the early hours. No problem. I'm really happy to sit and write and you know, do my emails late, late at night, which I know I shouldn't do. Uh, and you said, yeah, you know, that it, that's in your yeah. genes, your program to do that. And you know what? I think um, sometimes we're conditioned again and the messaging that is out there is trying to tell us to behave in a certain way. And sometimes maybe we should question that. You know, mm. if you are a night owl and you happen to get into the zone and you focus better later in the day, then actually that might be useful to acknowledge. And then you can go, oh, I always do my best work at five o'clock in the afternoon. So why not, why not arrange your day that way if it's within your capability to do it? I think... You can use these things in multiple ways. You could also go, okay, there's a little bit of a warning there that I could let this go too far. Yes. Um, and, you know, succumb to the temptation of just being constantly on it and running away with it and five o'clock becoming 10 o'clock and so yeah. on. Um, but it's, it's about understanding it in the context of you and your behaviour and your health and how you what what leeway you can allow yourself to have um versus maybe you know this aspect is a real thing to watch but guess what there's a solution so i'm gonna cover off all the weak bases and i'm gonna give them that nurture and support but actually some other aspects that i can be a little bit more bravo about and you know it's your I was speaking to someone earlier today who was talking about maybe this is a superpower it was actually (laughs) it it was an aspect of dopamine which was low dopamine and how she had a tendency to really gather and learn and work as a way of raising her dopamine levels but the Mm -hmm. kind of satisfaction that came from that and it's kind of you know things on some some of the genetics aren't inherently bad or good. It depends how you work with them. Well, I know and that there's a lot of work in you know Silicon Valley and places like that with all sort of the tech entrepreneurs looking at this and all sort of biohacking, so called. And as an employer, you know, it would be really handy to know, wouldn't it? Who are your night owls and who are your early birds? Because then you can organise your working day accordingly. Those guys who like to be at their desk being super productive at half past seven in the morning because that's their best time. Great. You know, and I guess perhaps that will happen with more of the homeworking that's gone on. But for those like me who, who are much more productive, as you say, towards the end of the day, I can do my best work, you know, four, five, six, seven o'clock. That's, that's kind of my peak productive time. You know, let's, yeah. let's say, okay, Liz, you know, we expect you to start, you know, at 10 o'clock um, and, and just work through 
because we know that you're going to get be more productive. You're going to you know be able to work better. And is that the way all of this is going? Do you think ultimately? I think so. Uh, there is a work. There is work exactly on that subject about building teams and how you construct a team so that you have this mix of people who, as you say, can cover. They can cover the shift between them, but it doesn't mean that everybody has to be there at the same time. And I'm with you. I'm not an early bird, and actually, I forgive myself and I've let myself off that hook now. Yeah. I just. You know, I'm not going to force something that isn't natural to me. No, there's a I'm reason happy. why I don't like getting up early. <laughs> Do yeah. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> uh, well, that is a real high to end on, Emma. I know we're going to be talking more with you in the Zell Wellbeing magazine, and I'm quite sure that there's going to be so much interest in this and you know, perhaps we can do an Instagram live and we can come back and do another podcast and thank you so much for, for sharing your knowledge and just opening the door onto this extraordinary world which I think is, is only just the beginning, isn't it? It is. It's early days. There's a wealth of knowledge to empower us out wow. there. We're just scratching the surface. Great. Well, I look forward to going a little bit further next time. Emma, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Liz. My pleasure. Speak to you soon. And that is it for today's episode. As always, you will find all the links and the resources that we mentioned today over on lizalwellbeing.com, including that lovely Liz Loves discount code that Emma has kindly given us all. And you can access this also by heading to her website, which is lifecodegx.com forward slash Liz Earle. That gets you the special rate. And then you simply have to use the offer code, which is Liz Loves at the checkout. Very well worth the investment if you ask me. And of course, while you are on LizArlWellbeing.com, you can also sign up for my free weekly newsletter if you haven't done so already. This comes winging its way into your inbox each and every Friday afternoon, UK time. And it is jam-packed with top tips and recipes, links to articles, discounts, and much more, all designed to help us live well. Well, huge thanks to all of you who have been leaving us such lovely reviews, especially on iTunes. Of course, it really does help others to find the show. So my team and I are immensely grateful, as we are, of course, for the simple click on the five-star review button at the end of this podcast. Thank you very much indeed. So until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. The Liz Earle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Liz Earle, with production by Amaryllis Earle and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue. With thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, guest booker, Millie de la Marinière, and assistant researcher, Martha Comerford. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.